Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. The big news earlier today that's really shaped a lot of sentiment um, here in Singapore is the release of the advanced first quarter GDP numbers. And it did come in at about 3.4%, which was actually below what consensus estimates were according to some economists who monitor the country's economy. On top of that, we also have the MAS introducing not one, but two measures to tighten monetary policy as they raise their forecast for inflation in Singapore. Well, what do the numbers mean? And what are the reactions some of the more prominent economists to these? Well, we have one of them actually on the line today. And that's Ms. Selina Ling, who's the chief economist and head of treasury research and strategy at OCBC to give us her reactions to the numbers and also the MAS's recent policy statement. Ms. Ling, thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon. I hope you're doing well. I'm good. Thank you. Let me just recap and start off with the GDP numbers. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm not mistaken, you previously penciled in GDP growth here to come in at about 3.1%. And that's significantly more pessimistic than the consensus estimates before the release. And 3.4%, that's actually a little better than what you were expecting, but still below what some of your peers were actually uh, projecting for Singapore's economy. I'd like to get your initial reactions to these numbers, 3.4% against your estimate of 3.1%. What stood out for you the most, ma'am? Well, I think the moderation in the first quarter GDP growth was expected. Of course, the duration of which, uh, or the extent of which, really boils down to what our uh, ex- what we expected in terms of the impact of the Ukraine war and also the China lockdown story. So we have already seen recent economic indicators like the PMI numbers coming off because of the rising input prices and also some of the supply chain disruptions that are ongoing. Hence, we expected that manufacturing would actually start to moderate more significantly in the first quarter. So it's a nice upside surprise. I think what is more interesting would be the outlook for the second quarter onwards. And I am expecting that the growth momentum will reaccelerate mainly because of the easing of a lot of the border and COVID restriction measures, you know, from end of March onwards, which could, of course, herald better days for a lot of the entertainment and recreation sectors ahead. In leading up to the release, Ms. Ling, we saw a number of indicators, and I think this is something you hinted at in recent weeks also, hinting at some economic softness, key among them, the softening at least of those PMI figures. We have those rising input prices, inflation. Um, how concerned are you that these worries will continue to uh, persist and perhaps weigh on the outlook or perhaps drag on Singapore's economy in the coming quarters? I think the risk is still there because of China's dynamic zero COVID strategy um, that has resulted in the lockdowns of certain cities like Shanghai, which in turn actually impacts some of the industrial uh, activities, for instance, the automotive uh, sector. So I think the downside risk is that you know uh, China's uh, exacerbated lockdowns is going to affect some of the regional uh, manufacturing supply chain story. So I would suspect that, you know, uh, we can't say that the supply chain problems are going to go away anytime soon. Um, in fact, if anything, uh, the hope will lie more on the services side to pick up some of the slack. So there are two bright spots, I would say, in the Singapore economy. One is that domestic consumption remains fairly healthy. And I think given the fairly tight labour market, um, we ex- expecting that which uh, you know, pressures would go up and that should bode well 
for domestic consumption. The other story really would be the public infrastructure investments uh, that is ongoing. So there has been a lot of backlog in terms of some of the infrastructure projects and also on the construction side. And hopefully uh, activity will pick up uh, in those sectors uh, as the manpower gets filled. And I think that's the interesting thing that I'm observing now when it comes to the Singapore economy, Ms. Ling. On the one hand, you have a lot of these head, external headwinds from the Russia-Ukraine war, its impact on inflation, the China slowdown, but there's still a lot of hope really being pinned on the Singaporean economic reopening. As you've noticed, we saw the uh, SCI react positively by breaching 3,400, these COVID-19 restrictions easing, and suddenly you see key sectors like aviation and construction breathing a huge sigh of relief. When you look at these two forces going head-to-head, the Singaporean reopening versus these external headwinds that seem stickier than we previously thought, will the reopening be enough to cushion or blunt any of those external headwinds that we just talked about? I think the reopening is kind of long overdue. Um, as to how strong uh, the rebound is going to be, we really have to wait and see. Because if you look at the rest of the world, obviously the Omicron uh, outbreak hasn't fully gone away. And I think the China slowdown story and lockdown story and also the Ukraine war would start to actually impact, for instance, uh, regional and also the Eurozone's growth prospects. And both of these are key trading partners and also key markets for Singapore's exports. So there is a little bit of uh, knock-on effects on that front. I think the optimism really comes from the fact that you know businesses uh, have been in kind of cold storage mode for the last two years and they're really looking ahead to a lot of the economic activity returning to a more normalized type of levels. And uh, in anticipation of that, they are starting to expand their capex and also hiring intentions. I think, of course, the big bugbear really uh, is inflation. So it's hard to say exactly when inflation would peak and subside. Um, MES has raised their official headline and core CPI forecast quite significantly. Now they are standing at 45 to 5.5% and 2.5 to 3.5% respectively. This is up from 25 to 35 and 2 to 3% previously. So while it's not a surprise because our headline and core inflation is already above 4% and 3.5%, wow. nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless, uh, we have to wait and see what happens in the next six months. Because if the external price pressures do not subside, you know, especially for the commodity and also the food uh, prices, it will continue to feed into you know, domestic prices, whether it's on fuel or non-cooked food or you know, a lot of the other type of uh, adjustments that we'll see uh, domestically. And like I said earlier, because the domestic labor market now is really back to pre-COVID levels of unemployment, so which pressure I think is going to reinsert a lot more prominently in the next coming six to 12 months. Wow. Uh, we'll still speak to Selena Ling, the Chief Economist and Head of Treasury Research and Strategy at OCBC and parsing through those GDP numbers that were just released. But I do want to talk about the Monetary Authority of Singapore now, and we, since we did touch on it just uh, a few seconds ago. Now, we did see that they enacted not one, but two uh, tightening measures. They raised the slope of the, uh, of, the, um, nominate, uh, near, of the near rate and also recentered the midpoint for the Singapore dollar. Now, they're hoping that this will actually help blunt inflationary pressures. But recent inflation reads, when we look at them, and the CPI reports in Singapore show that arguably the biggest driver is rising energy costs, driving up utilities, and also transportation. These may be argued are externally related. Can policy tweaks by the MES actually be effective in blunting these inflationary pressures that are coming from external factors? I'd love to get your thoughts on this and perhaps for you to inform us as to 
whether or not this is possible given their external? I think we have to take one step back. You know, sure. whatever it takes seems to be the anthem song for a lot of central banks these days. You know, the Fed is preparing markets for imminent 50 basis point hike and also quantitative tightening for its May meeting. Yesterday, we saw the Reserve Bank of New Zealand and the Bank of Canada pull off 50 basis point hikes. So I think it comes as no surprise that MAS, which actually had, was a little bit early in the game, because remember, they started tightening back in October last year. This is actually their third consecutive tightening move. Mm. And uh, it's more aggressive, like you said, because it's a twin move. So I guess the story really is one where it's not only externally driven inflationary pressures, but also we have domestic cost pressures, manpower being one. The other is also rentals because we have this big backlog of you know delayed projects and uh, demand is picking up and they cannot find the necessary uh, manpower and uh, components and the raw materials that are coming in is a lot more expensive than before. So we are seeing a combination of external and domestic cost pressures. And this is really what would drive a lot of headline and core inflation, at least for till the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ms. Ling, is for the Singapore dollar to be given strength so as to provide more purchasing power than negate these inflationary pressures. But while there is efforts to boost the Singapore dollar by these pot tightening measures, we also have the greenback also looking quite strong at the moment on the back of this very hawkish Federal Reserve stance. Could this cap any potential upside for the Singapore dollar and in effect also blunt any hope that the, a, a stronger Singapore dollar will be able to blunt some of these inflationary pressures we're seeing here? I think we look at this morning's market reactions as fairly sure. informative. So if you look at the dollar thing, um, it was really trading around a tight range uh, this morning, even post the MAS policy uh, decision announcement. This suggests that market had already anticipated uh, largely the tightening move and already positioned for it. So it didn't come as a big surprise. And also, if you look at SGS bond yields, you know, they were down about one to three basis points as well. So fairly muted type of market reactions. I think we can see the MES as really trying to keep pace with the very hawkish uh, signals from a lot of the other major central banks, the Fed being one, RBNZ and Bank of Canada being the others. And potentially from here, I think rather than focusing on just what MES has done today, market players are likely to return to watching the major central banks, especially the Fed, for its upcoming 5th May meeting for further clues of where to go from here. All right. Now, uh, we uh, finally, Ms. Ling, we did touch early at the start of the interview on your outlook for Singapore's uh, economy. Um, and again, we've been talking at infinitum about the risks that could drag out and even compound external risks and also some of these domestic pressures. It might be a bit early to ask you this, but I'm, I hope you don't mind. But how is this shaping your outlook now for the rest of the year? Can you give us more um, insight into how, what, you're, what you're expecting for the local economy for 2022 now? Well, with the start of the Ukraine war and also the China lockdown story, I had actually downgraded my full-year growth forecast from 4% to around 3.5%. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's still within the range of the official forecast of 3 to 5%. I think there is some upside because a lot of the lifting of the border controls and relaxation of the COVID restrictions, the return you know, of F1 and some of the other uh, major events, all this would be beneficial for the services sector. So like I said, I do expect that the services sector would do more of the heavy lifting forward. But at this juncture, um, you know, given the slow start that we have for the first quarter, 
I'm not expecting, uh, you know, full year growth to go beyond a 5% handle. So that's kind of reinforced by the fact that MTI actually didn't adjust their official growth forecast of 3 to 5%. All right. Selena Ling, Chief Economist and Head of Treasury Research and Strategy at OCBC, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3 to talk about your reactions to the advanced GDP figures for the first quarter here in Singapore and the MAS's decision. As always, I wish you and the loved ones continued health and safety during these times. We look forward to the next time you can join us at the show. Meanwhile, do stay safe, ma'am, and I hope you have a great uh, long weekend ahead of you. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.